Well, good morning and Happy New Year. I hope that uh, all of you have had a good Christmas season and, and really a holiday season all the way from, from Thanksgiving all the way up to the new year. I know it's, it's my favorite time of year. I love it. Uh, and so I hope that you all have, have enjoyed this time as well. And, and it's the first day of 2017, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but welcome. Glad that you're here. Um, excited to be here worshiping with you all this morning. Let's, let's pray and we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this morning and, and for a, a brand new day and, and a brand new year. And God, as we embark on 2017 with, with so many things that, that may happen this year, we are, we're here worshiping you together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to start it. And so God, what better place could we be than, than right here and right now focused on the Word of God? And so we ask this morning that as we, as we look at your Word, that you would free our minds from distraction, that you'd help us to focus, and that you would help us to, to walk out of here knowing you better. God, we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Pastor Josh is, is in North Carolina visiting some family. Uh, he just was recently preaching a youth retreat this last week, and so they stayed a few extra days to visit family. And so, uh, he asked me to, to let you know that he, miss, he misses you all uh, and is looking forward to being back. They'll be back tomorrow, uh, and so he'll be here for the normal uh, activities throughout the rest of the week. But he, he wanted me to make sure I, I said... Uh, that he misses you all and looks forward to being back with you all. So, uh, that being said, we're going to be in the book of Micah this morning. And we're going to be in Micah chapter 6. So turn there if you will. And, and I'm just going to warn you from the beginning, it may seem like Micah has nothing to do with what I'm about to start talking about. But I promise it does. So, last week being Christmas, I'm sure that, that all of us got some sort of gifts that, you know, we've been waiting for, hoping for, asking for. Uh, well, I too got some gifts last week, and uh, one in particular was from my brother-in-law, and this was something I asked for specifically, but he got me a weekly planner for 2017. So if you all know me, uh, you know that I'm not very organized, and I need help in those areas, and so I'm thinking, and Sam is probably encouraging me more than I realize it, that I need to be more organized. And so one of the ways in which I'm attempting to do that is let me get a daily planner, one that's not real big. I can carry it with me most places that I go, and I can write down things that I need to do and, and all that stuff so I can stay more on top of things. So I'm excited to get this. You know, it's, it's a fancy planner. It's got like uh, a weekly view, a daily view, a monthly view. So it's got all kinds of stuff. But at the very beginning of the planner, like the first couple pages, it's got a section for reflection on 2016. And so it says at the top of the page, you know, take some time and write down some, some goals that you had in 2016, and did you accomplish them? Did you not? What were the problems? What, what caused you not to get them done? Or just kind of reflect on some things that happened in 2016. And the very next page is goals for 2017. What do you want to accomplish in 2017? What are you hoping 2017 looks like? Let's, let's kind of just put some thoughts down on paper for what you're expecting the next year to be. And I think that's very representative of what we typically do around this time of year. When, when a new year begins and an old year has just ended, typically we're very much so thinking about and, and remembering what the last year of our life was like. And we're also looking forward to what the next year is going to be. I know for many of you, 
Uh, maybe you spent last night with some friends, hanging out with some family, and you probably reminisced about things that happened in, over the last year. You probably laughed about some things that happened. Maybe you cried about some things that happened. As Sam and I were, were thinking about 2016, that's the year that we had our first child. And so 2016 is always going to be very special to us because our, our son was born. And so I'm, I'm sure for many of you all, you're, you're thinking back about a lot of things that may have happened in 2016. But then also we get to a place where we start looking ahead and we start maybe planning for, for what's to come in 2017. And one of the big things that we all do, most of us anyway, is we set these New Year's resolutions. And I'm sure probably all of you have maybe at some point in your life had some New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've given up because you failed too many times. Uh, but all of us are probably thinking about ways in which we can improve our life in 2017 over what it was in 2016. And that's really the idea of a New Year's resolution, is how can, la how can this next year be better than this last year? And so oftentimes you hear the popular ones, well, you know, I'm going to lose weight this year. And the idea behind that is, I want to be a better me this coming year than I was last year. Or maybe it's, you know, I want to, I want to spend more time with my family. You know, I, I spent too much time at work last year, and I want, to, I want to prioritize the right things. But the idea behind a resolution is that we want to be a better us in the coming year. Because we all recognize that maybe 2016 wasn't an awful year, but we can always be better. We can always do better at something. We can always improve. We can always be better with our finances, a better spouse, a better parent, a better neighbor. All these different, there's lots of different areas in our life where we know we can improve. And so as we think about that, and as I think about that in the context of our local church, I hope that even more so than just resolutions of maybe getting healthier or eating better or being better with your finances, I hope that you are also thinking about how can I grow as a Christian in 2017? How can I improve my walk with the Lord? How can I be more godly in 2017 than what I was in 2016? And so maybe you all have been thinking about, well, what kind of Bible reading plan am I going to do? I would like to read the Bible more in 2017. Or, or how can I pray more? in 2017 than what I did in 2016? Or how can I be more involved at church? Or how can I be used more in 2017 than I was in 2016? And so as we think about these things, all these are good things to think about. And I hope that you have spent time considering how to be a more godly person in this coming year than what you were in this last year. So now let's, let's look at Micah and I promise all of this will kind of come full circle at the end, but it may seem like a stretch to begin with. So we're going to look at Micah chapter 6. We're going to focus on verses 6 through 8, but I want us to read from verse 1. So follow along with me as I begin in, in verse 1. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord. And you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against his people. He will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, 
Remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened at Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So hopefully you're all not too confused with my intro and the text, but but just to give you an idea of what Micah is all about, Micah is a minor prophet. He's living during uh, the same time as Isaiah, and Micah, his primary message is one of judgment. What's clear throughout the book, if you read it from cover to cover, is that the Israelites have sinned against God, and we kind of get an idea of that here at the beginning of chapter 6. And so God is, is recognizing that Israel has sinned against him, and God is basically saying, I am going to come and I'm going to destroy you because of your sin. And this should be a good reminder of us about how serious God takes sin. Let's not take sin lighter than what God takes it. And when God sees his people sinning, he says, I will come and I will destroy you because of your sin. And so the whole message of Micah is one that God is coming to judge his people. But what's great about Micah's message is that scattered throughout, there's all these little sections of hope. And so there are multiple little passages where Micah talks about God being a shepherd to his people and God caring for a remnant and leading them and shepherding them. And so even in the midst of judgment, we get this this idea that although God will judge his people for sinning, he also will save some from that judgment. And some will be rescued from it. And so even though as a whole, it's kind of a dark and dreary book, there's a lot of hope in the book. And so chapter 6 here kind of sums up, God is bringing an accusation against the people of Israel. So he's basically calling them out on their sin. And he says, uh, beginning in verse 3, he's kind of asking a rhetorical question. He begins by saying, Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? So the situation is that the Israelites have sinned against God, and now God is coming before them and asking this question, What have I done that has made you want to flee away from me? What have I done that's made you want to turn your back on me and go and do your own thing and pursue your sin? How have I wearied you? That's the question that God is asking these people to which they don't really have a response. And then, beginning in verse 4 and 5, God begins to tell them or remind them what he has done for them. So he he starts by asking, what have I done that makes you want to run away from me? What have I done that's made you want to not trust me, not obey me, not love me? And then he says, do you want to know what I've done? Here's what I've done. He says, for I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And redeemed you from the house of slavery. Did you guys forget about that? Remember how you were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years and I rescued you out of that? 
He says, I brought before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. I raised up leaders who led you out of Egypt and delivered you from slavery. That doesn't seem like that's something that would cause the people to want to stray from God, but rather worship him. He says, Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him. He's referring to when this king was wanting to curse the Israelites, and so he went to this guy, Beor, to, to pronounce a curse on them, and when he goes to open his mouth, he pronounces a blessing on them. God says, Have, have you forgotten what I have done for you? So then we get to verse 6, and here's where, here's where I want us to, to kind of focus the majority of our time. So now we have a response back to God. So God has asked this question, what have I done that has made you want to follow after your sin, to not obey me, to not trust me, to not love me? And so now we get a response. And the response begins with this. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high. So number one, I want us to, to realize that this, this is the answer of a person who realizes that they are guilty. Now this is not the main focus of what I want us to talk about this morning, but there's a real sense in which all of us sinned in 2016. We are sinful people. No matter how hard we try to be holy and righteous, we do sin. That's one of the problems with our human heart is that we are, we are sinful people. And so it's true that we also have sinned against God in 2016 and we have failed him. And so just like the Israelites, we too should recognize I don't measure up to God's standard of perfection. I don't meet that goal which is required of me, which is perfection. I have fallen short. And so the question is, what can I bring before the Lord and what can I bring when I bow myself before God? Basically, the, the question is, how can I make myself right with God? And I hope that all of us are asking that question as we go into 2017. How can I be right with God? Because I'm aware of my sin, I'm aware that I fall short, I'm aware that I'm not perfect, which is God's standard, and so how... How do I get right with God, is the question. So he begins to answer this question. He says, shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? So now the, there's, there's three kind of sets of, of things that he talks about. The first one is, is a sacrifice, which is a burnt offering. Now, a burnt offering was a, a particular type of offering offered in the Old Testament where you would put the animal onto the altar and you would completely consume it with fire. So the animal is completely destroyed. There are other types of offerings where the, the one who is offering the animal would get a, a portion of the meat and they would eat that as part of their, their sacrifice and it would be a, like a meal that went along with it. But this one, this is a complete offering of the animal. A, a burnt offering means you're giving the entire thing. You're not holding anything back for yourself. You're not, you're not gaining anything from giving this animal. You're giving 100% of it. And then he also says, with calves a year old. Now, you think about a calf that's a year old. You've spent a year feeding it, caring for it, raising it up, 
So you've put some money. You've got some money invested in this calf. So this is not the cheapest offering that you could give. This is an offering of great value. And I think what Micah is wanting us to see here is that, number one, he's talking about a, a quality of sacrifice. So the first question is, what can I bring before the Lord? What if I bring a burnt offering? So I'm going to give the whole thing. And what if I bring a calf that's a year old? It's going to cost me a lot. It's going to cost me a whole lot. And the implied question is, is that enough to make me right with God? This most quality sacrifice that I have to offer, is that going to make me right with God? We don't really have an answer, but he goes on with another question. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? So here he kind of ups the ante. He's like, all right, all right. So we, if a burnt sacrifice of a calf a year old is not enough, what if, what if I offer ten thousands of rams? What if I offer thousands of rivers of oil? So now there's a sense of exaggeration here because really no individual has this amount of stuff to give. This is an outrageous amount of, of offering. But he asks, if I am able to give thousands upon thousands of rams as an offering to God, and if I am able to give thousands of rivers of oil to God, is that enough? Is that enough for God to be pleased with me? But he doesn't stop there. He goes one step further. So he's talked about a, a quality of offering and a, a quantity of offering. But then the third one, the second half of verse 7 here, he says, Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And here we see the great value of the sacrifice. I think all of us, if we are parents, you understand the love that you feel for that, that firstborn child. The first time you become a parent, the love that you feel for that child is just something you can't even explain. And he's asking, what if I go so far as to give up the thing I love the most and sacrifice that to God? Is that enough to make me right with God? And the implied answer to all of these is no. Your, your burnt offering of a calf a year old is not enough to satisfy God. Your offering of thousands of rams and thousands of rivers of oil is not enough to satisfy God's wrath. And your offering of your firstborn child is not enough to satisfy God's wrath. But then we finally receive an answer in verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So here we get to the heart of the answer. And, and Micah gives it to us in, in kind of three parts. He says, what does the Lord require of us? And I hope that this is a question that we're asking ourselves going into 2017. And here's where, where I hope you'll begin to see that 
an idea of having a resolution for 2017 that you want to read your Bible more, that you want to pray more, that you want to be at church more, that you want to be a better family man, that you want to be a better husband or wife or, or whatever it is, I hope you see those things in and of themselves are not doing anything to make you more acceptable to God. I hope you see that you praying all day, every day, does not make you right with God. You reading your Bible through, cover to cover, every year, does not make you right with God. You being at church every time the doors are open does not make you right with God. And so God is telling the Israelite people that he's not interested in their stuff. He's not interested in what you have to offer him. But God is interested in your heart. Notice also in verse 8. He begins by saying, He has told you, O man, what is good. This is not a new thing. This is not, we're the Israelites and we really have no idea how to please God. We have no idea. No, no, no. Micah is saying, he has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require? That's already been revealed to you. It's not a mystery. And it's not a mystery for you and for me. It's not that we have to wonder what we can do to please God. He's told us. He's revealed it to us. And what Micah is, is referring to here is Deuteronomy chapter 10. So turn there with me real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 10, we'll look at verses 12 and 13. And God says this. He says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding to you today for your good. God has revealed to His people what He requires of them. And what he requires is the heart. As I was thinking about this, and, and as I was reading this, this passage in Micah, I thought, you know, this is, this is really good news. The fact that God is not necessarily interested in uh, a burnt offering or thousands of rams offered on the altar or even our firstborn child is a good thing because... If stuff is what God requires, if, if stuff being offered to God is what makes us right with Him, then those who are poor have no hope. Those who don't have anything to offer to God have no hope. And that would be bad news. We talk all the time about the gospel being good news. That's what the word gospel means, is good news. And so the good news is not that if you offer enough stuff, if you give enough of your time and enough of your tithe and enough of your uh, abilities to the church and to reading your Bible and to praying, then you are good. What God is interested in is your heart. And he's laid it out here. He says, the Lord requires you to fear the Lord, walk in his ways, love him, serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord. That's what's required of us. And I wonder, do we know that? 
As we reflect on 2016 and as we look forward to 2017, are we thinking, are we planning, are, are we making decisions for how to, how to improve ourselves spiritually, how to be a more godly person in the next year? Are we thinking, I need to give more of my heart to God? Or are we thinking, I need to make sure that I'm reading my Bible every morning and I need to make sure that I'm praying every day. And if I don't, then, then I'm, I'm going to let God down and I'll have failed just like I've done in past years. See, one of the problems with us thinking that, that our stuff is what makes us right with God is that we will always fail to have more to give than someone else. And so if we do this, this idea of comparison, there's always going to be someone who can give more than we can. There's always someone who has more time to give. There's always someone who has more money to give. There's always someone who has more resources to give than us. And so if God is pleased by what we have to offer him, then we're at a disadvantage. But thankfully, God requires the heart. And every single person who's here this morning has that same heart to give. It's not that one of us has, has more of our heart that we can give to God than another. We all have equal amount of heart that we can give to God. And that's all of it. Now, it's interesting what he explains here as he's interested in the heart. Look at the, the second part of verse 8. He says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice? First thing he says is to do justice. Now, I think he says this specifically because of the context in which he's speaking. Because if you read the entire book, the, the prophets, the, the bad prophets uh, during Micah's time, were using... Uh, their power and their ability to take advantage of people. He talks numerous times about those with dishonest weights and dishonest scales. And so there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of other people. They're not doing the right thing. There's a lot of that going on. And God condemns it specifically throughout the book. And so one of the ways in which God is, is saying he's interested in the heart is, number one, I want you to do the right thing. I want you to do justice. To do the right thing, even when it may be painful, or even when it's not easy to do, but do the right thing. Sam and I love to, to get a show, and, and we'll, we'll watch a show from start to finish, and, and we, we like to do that on Netflix, and so one of the bummers is when you get to the end, then you're kind of like, well, guess we got to find a new show. So we recently just did that, but the show that we watched was a, a cop show, and we loved it. And, and one of the, the main themes of the show was, are you going to do the right thing? And so in, in lots of different episodes, there's a certain character who's in a, a, you know, kind of a sticky situation where they kind of saw something that happened and it wasn't quite right, but nobody else saw it. And so the dilemma is, well, do I speak up and, and kind of face some consequences or we just kind of let this blow over and just kind of not, not worry about it? And I wonder if any of us have ever been in that sort of situation where we know the right thing to do, but the right thing to do is going to cost us. What do we do? Are we willing to do the right thing, to, to stand up for justice, for doing what's honoring to God? Or are we just kind of willing to, you know what, let's just let this pass and, and we'll kind of move on and we'll go from there. 
one of the ways in which God is, is concerned with our heart is that we are doing the right thing. Not just when people are looking, not just when people's eyes are on us, but when we're alone and when we're in private, what is it that you do with your time? How is it that you treat other people, less fortunate people? Are you honoring God by what you're doing? Are you doing the right thing? The second thing he says is to love kindness. Now, I think this has to, to deal even more with, with how we interact with other people, but are you a, a kind and loving person? Do you care for those that other people don't? Are you compassionate on those who other people are not? One of the things we see a lot in the Gospels is that Jesus is a very compassionate individual. He sees crowds of people and he is moved with compassion. Jesus cares for, for people. He, he cares for those who are less fortunate. He cares for those who, who have no one or nothing. How is it that you treat other people? All of that is a reflection of whether or not your heart is desiring and, and seeking to honor God. The last thing that he says is to walk humbly with your God. Now, obviously, the, the Israelites who are sinning against God are, are not walking humbly with God. They're ignoring God. They're forsaking God. They're doing their own thing. And he says, the Lord requires that you walk humbly with him. Now, that's going to look different for each individual. There is no, no standard template that's going to fit everyone's life. It's going to look different for me to humbly walk with God than it's going to look for some of you to, to walk humbly with God. But the point is, we need to be giving our heart to God and not just thinking that our stuff is enough. And as I think about 2017 and, and what's going to come, I don't really know what that's going to look like in every different situation. But what I do know is that I will have every opportunity to give my heart to God to desire with all that is in me to worship Him, to love Him, to, to honor Him, to obey Him. And all of us have that same opportunity this morning. And every single day that we wake up, we all have that same opportunity. And so it's not about how much you can do or how much you give that makes you right with God. That, that's just simply not the case. I'm going to show you an example here in just a minute, but... That's what I want to impress upon us this morning is that as we think about a new year and as we think about how, how we can improve ourselves and, and, and grow spiritually, become a more godly individual, I want to stress to you that it's not about what you can do or what you can offer to God. So if you read your Bible every single day for 2017, that is awesome. But know that that in and of itself will not make you better off with God than, than if you didn't. And I hope that you know that as, as you plan for 2017 and, and how you're going to grow and, and how you're going to increase in godliness that your church attendance does nothing to make you more right with God. I don't want us thinking wrongly about serving and about giving and about doing all the things that we do. Those are good. 
I hope you want to be at church when the church is open. I hope you want to read your Bible in the morning. I hope you want to pray more. But know that those things in and of themselves cannot and never will save you or repair the broken relationship with God. Only Jesus Christ will and giving your heart to him. You see, I need a, I need a planner because I'm very forgetful. I forget things all the time. Sam, will, I'm surprised she's not here to say amen. But I am so forgetful. And so as we begin a new year, I know that some of you all are, forget, are forgetful as well. And I'm sure some of you all are thinking, man, you know, Josh preaches this all the time. I, I know, I know that my stuff is not gonna, it's not gonna get me right with God. I know that I need to trust and believe in Jesus. But we need to be reminded of that so often. Because it seems like every day I'm tempted to start believing that I gotta, I gotta do stuff. I gotta work for my salvation. I've gotta, I've gotta make sure I'm reading my Bible. I've gotta make sure I'm praying. And if I don't, I feel kind of guilty for letting God down. But that's not necessarily the case. We are justified by believing, by having faith in Jesus. And I want y'all to know that as we move into 2017. And so I wanted to give you an example. So, like I've said, our, our things that we have to offer are not what make us right with God. And I want to give you an example from the Old Testament. Look at 1 Samuel 15. If you've got your Bible with you, turn there with me. And in 1 Samuel 15, we've got this story about King Saul. And God is has made him king over Israel, and now he's got something that he wants King Saul to do. And so look with me, beginning in verse 1. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So this is extreme. God is telling Saul that he needs to destroy everything. Now look at verse 8. So King Saul took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. So Saul disobeyed God. Saul completely ignored the command that God had given him, and he decided for himself, you know what? I think it would be better if we did things my way. So now look down at uh, at verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, Then what is the bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amicalites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. 
So now Saul is saying, no, 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 we have decided that we are going to keep all the good stuff and we're going to sacrifice that to God. He'll be so much more happy with that. Look down with me at verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption as is iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. These are strong words from the prophet Samuel. And Samuel reminds us the same thing that Micah is reminding the people, that God is not interested in all that you have to offer if you are going to disobey him. Or to have as much delight in sacrifice as he does in your obeying him? No, that's ridiculous. The Lord would rather you obey him than you offer thousands of rams day after day after day. So church, let's be reminded that as we move into 2017, God is not pleased with us by how much money we put in the offering plate, by how many times we're at the church, by how many times we've read our Bible, by how many times that we've prayed. He's happy if we obey him. If we love him, if we devote our hearts to obeying him and, and worshiping him, God wants your heart, not just your possessions. And as we give our heart more and more to God, all the other things, the possessions will fall into place. But I hope that your, your resolve for 2017 is to give your heart to God and not just your stuff. And, and maybe we failed to do that in 2016. Maybe we missed the boat. Maybe we didn't, we didn't get it. There are plenty of ways in which I failed in 2016, and I know that, and I admit that. But as we move to 2017, let's not be fooled into thinking that our stuff is what God wants. He wants your heart. God wants you to obey him rather than offer things to him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this first Sunday of 2017. And, and I pray that this reminder, which has been really good for me, would also be good for, for everyone here. That you are interested more in our obedience to you than what we have to offer. God, we thank you that you offered us the most pro costly and, and, and precious gift, your son Jesus. And that by believing in him, we too can, can have newness of life. God, we thank you for this morning, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.